Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is Michael Hyatt. Now, Michael Hyatt's the former chairman and CEO of a $250 million publishing company with over 700 employees. So that's, that's kind of the early days, but now uh, he's the founder and CEO of Michael Hyatt and Company. Uh, they're on the Inc. 5000, have been for years. Um, so we're kind of Inc. 5000 buddies um, with self-publishing school and Michael Hyatt and Company. Um, but just an amazing company. He's written a ton of books. You may remember him from episode one of the SPS podcast. Uh, and, and this is to this day, one of the most popular podcasts. I just went back and looked uh, at stats the other day, but one of the most popular podcasts we've ever had. Um, and so on that podcast is awesome. You should check it out. And we talk about his writing process, which is one of my biggest takeaways from that episode and how he kind of splits that out and uses his blog. We talked about transition in the publishing industry during 2006 to 2009. Uh, we talked about a bunch of stuff. We're not going to talk about any of that <laughs> again in this podcast interview, but really today I want to talk about three things. So um, we're going to talk about how he's self-publishing books to grow his business. We're going to talk about how he sold hundreds of thousands of planners and journals. Uh, and then thirdly, and probably most importantly, um, we're going to talk about his new book, The Vision Driven Leader, and kind of go behind the scenes uh, on that launch, uh, which is literally happening as we record this podcast episode. So Michael, really great to have you. Hey Chandler, great to be on again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, let's dive in. So, I mean, obviously we talked a little bit about the why of your early books, but now I've just seen a shift over the past probably 18 months with your business and you're writing and publishing a lot of books. Some self-published, some traditionally published. I think, I remember us talking and you've got some sort of cadence there. But I do. Why, are you, why do you have books as such an integral part of what you guys are doing at Michael Hyatt and Company? I really believe that books are the tip of the spear. You know, they allow me to penetrate where I can't go otherwise. You know, they're working while I'm sleeping. They're in places I could never go. And they expose people to my thinking, to my frameworks, to my concepts, and all of that in a way that's kind of a low barrier of entry. I mean, books don't cost very much, right? And so then we can use that to upgrade people to our other programs that for us are kind of the, the meat and potatoes of our business. And how do you decide between which books are going to be self-published, which, which books are going to be traditionally published? Yeah, so um, we've kind of got a cadence now. So the idea is that I do one major book a year that's a, you know, a trade book that I publish with a publisher. And that's usually a, a more substantial, more thoughtful business book where I need the distribution of a publisher to get me into the airports and get me into places, you know, that it, it's more difficult to go uh, through self-publishing. But man, there is nothing more profitable than self-publishing. And so we don't do the traditional trade publishing for the money so much, although I frankly get a lot of money for that too, in terms of advances and so forth. But in terms of self-publishing, um, even in the midst of this coronavirus, which I was just talking to my CFO yesterday, he said, oh my gosh, our books, the books that we've self-published are killing it. You know, the sales are up. We're, do we're selling them mostly through ads on Facebook. 
and we're getting like a four to one return on, on our ads right now. And it's phenomenal. So those are typically smaller books, more <clears throat> tool oriented, you know, tools that, that I teach, you know, my coaching and other things. And so that's kind of how we focus it. And how do you define trade books? Well, a trade book would be a book, you know, maybe that's an insider turn a term, you know, inside baseball term, but a trade book is a book that sold through the retail trade business. So a book that sold through a retail bookstore. Got it. And so why, why do you, you said four to one return on your ads um, for the self-published books? How are you doing that? What's the monetization look like? And maybe probably more pertinent for a lot of people listening or watching is, is how did those books lead into everything else that you're doing at Michael Hyatt and company? Yeah. So um, those are also lead generation tools. You know, probably we would, we would do them if they were break even because it's when people get into those books that we use that, you know, we offer a lot of free bonuses and stuff. So let me just, let me just tell you how the, the idea is. We never use Facebook ads to sell directly except for these self-published books. So for example, if, if we're trying to promote our coaching program, which you're a part of, uh, we would run an ad to an assessment or to a webinar or something where we could build more trust begin a relationship, that's kind of the top of the funnel. And then we work them through the funnel, build that trust. And then, you know, those are more expensive kind of programs. But a book is like a $20, $25 investment. You know, it's not a big ask. And so these are highly focused on needs. So for example, we've got one called No Fail Meetings. We've got one called Your World Class Assistant. We're about to publish one called No Fail Communication. And we just run those ads to cold traffic and then when people come to buy that uh, book, then the way we capture their email address, because we do want to get them into a funnel because we've got other stuff that we want to sell them. We tell them, you know, you're, first of all, you're going to come to our website. You're going to get a whole bunch of free bonuses if you order it. Like you're going to get a copy of the audiobook for free. You might get a, a, you know, some digital element as well, maybe some worksheets, maybe some bonus material of some sort. And so we want them to opt in, buy the book, opt in, and now they're into our funnel process where we're selling them additional products. So that's why I said it's the tip of the spear. And those seem to be targeted on pain points that would relate to people who would ultimately become, you know, a business accelerator client or something like that. How do you decide which of those books to, to write first? Because it, it seems like they're very problem oriented uh, towards specific problems that business owners might be having. Yeah. So what we're trying to demonstrate to business owners is that we can solve their real problems. So we're trying to take a real problem, someplace where they get stuck or someplace that, you know, is difficult for them to navigate, do a book on that, throw it out there as a solution, but publish it as a beautiful hardcover book so that it, you know, creates value, so that it creates a great, you know, brand impression for us and then get them into that, that funnel process. And by the way, one of the, one of the parts, one of the questions that we ask always as we take their order is, are they a business owner? And then we ask them what their income was this last year, you know, just approximate it. So we're qualifying the leads on the front end. So that becomes a, a huge source of leads for us. Oh, interesting. And have you seen any difference in the quality of conversion of that traffic who's come in through one of those books versus other traffic sources? Uh, it's actually pretty good. You know, we, we get traffic from a lot of different sources. Uh, if I do a, a speaking engagement, that's probably the number one, you know, where people can see me live. Uh, not doing too much of that right now, you know, with the, with the current, you know, coronavirus. Uh, the other form is webinars, you know, when I can do a live webinar or even a recorded, you know, evergreen webinar, you know, that's good. And then uh, the books would be the third, third source. We also use assessments sometime, 
sometimes, like we've got one called the business health assessment, where you can evaluate your business in about 10 minutes, kind of identify the places where you need to focus. And that works pretty well for us uh, too. But I would say books are probably the third, you know, best qualified leads uh, that we pursue, but they're, they're all good. I mean, they all convert. Awesome. And your assessments are great. Do you, do you tie in the books at all with the assessment on the back end, or when people are coming in through the assessment, where are they going next? Not usually, not usually. When they go through the book, the usually thing we want to do is, is try to upgrade them usually to the full focus planner. And then from the planner, then we want to set up a call for us to discuss with them, you know, uh, the possibility of business coaching. Ah, got it. And that's business accelerator and all those things. That's right. Which is awesome, by the way. Uh, obviously, I'm in business Thank you. accelerator. And I, love I love having you in the program. So uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about kind of these self-published books. Um, what, what's the, because uh, I was looking at kind of in prep for this interview, and I noticed it's, it's really interesting. So you do two things, which I, there's got to be intentionality uh, behind this, because I know everything that you do is intentional. Um, but so the books aren't on Amazon, those That's books, right. at least that I could find. And right. also the physical copy in most cases I saw is $19.99, the digital copy, it's a, it's a bundle, right? Um, but, and then the, the digital is, is $20, so one cent more. Uh, so why not publish them on Amazon and why make uh, the physical copies cheaper than the digital copies? Um, that's a good question. First of all, we don't have a way to deliver those digital books really in a way that, you know, like through Kindle or whatever. So it doesn't make sense to do those on Amazon. But here's the bigger issue. I've got to deal with my trade with my trade book publisher where I said, look, I want the ability to continue to self-publish books where it makes sense, but I promise I won't compete with you. So I agreed with them that I would not sell those books through retail outlets, including online retail outlets. And so um, we can sell as many of those off our website as we want. But the truth is we would rather do that because this is one of the downsides of traditional book publishing is that you may run a lot of books through Amazon. Like I'm selling a, a bunch of my books, The Vision Driven Leader through Amazon right now, but I have no idea through the, who those customers are. There's ways to capture those leads. And we try to do that by giving, you know, a huge bonus program and trying to redirect people back to that traffic, but, or, or back to that website where we can capture that kind of information. But there's a lot of people that'll never learn about that. There are a lot of people that'll never, you know, follow the links even in the book to go back and get those resources. And so we miss a lot of lead opportunities. But with these self-published books, we capture 100% of it because you can't get it without coming to our website. So it's very intentional. In terms of the pricing strategy, I, I can't tell you. You'd have to ask our, our marketing team what they, what they thought about that. I think our, our philosophy on that is, you know, we just, we want to make the same amount of money either way. Ah, got it. And I would imagine that also, I mean, having those physical copies out in the wild, because I remember I was reading your world-class assistant and I'm reading it and I'm at this planning trip with my brother and his wife and my friend. And then I'm like, oh, you need to read this. And then you need to buy one for your assistant. And then I bought one for my assistant. <laughs> and it's just That's like awesome. having these books out in the wild, in the wild as living, breathing organisms, like versus just a PDF on your computer. I think it actually spurs more book sales. I do too. One of the things that happens with electronic books, and believe me, I was an early adopter of Kindle. I was super enthusiastic about eBooks. I still read eBooks, but I got to admit that one of the challenges is that the books aren't visible. And when they're not visible, I forget about them. So I literally just bought a book I'm really excited about last week. And I didn't think about it until just a second, but I haven't cracked my Kindle to read it because it's not visible. You know, it's hidden in the device. I got to open the application. 
to get to it. But a, but a book is much more like, you know, a physical artifact that's more in your face and more is around to remind you to, you know, read me, read me. That's awesome. And last couple of questions here and we'll keep moving. So how do you ascend from people buying your world-class assistant, no fail meetings? Like how do they move from coming into that funnel to ultimately becoming a customer of business accelerator or of other, other programs that you guys have? What does that look like? Well, we have a, a really clear customer journey kind of diagram that we set up. And so it's, it's based on kind of a pricing elevator model where the idea is that people come in usually at the lowest barrier of entry. So they might consume something free. For example, they might hear my podcast, they might read a blog post, uh, they might hear me on somebody's show like this. And so that's you know free content. That's like the first uh, port of entry. Then they move from that to a lower price thing because they haven't built up a lot of trust yet, but they think, oh, I'll give it a little try. Let me just buy a book and see what this guy's all about. So that's kind of the next level. The next level up for us in the customer journey is the full focus planner. So those, as you know, are our paper planner products, which we've sold a half a million copies of so far. And it's, you know, it's half of our business today. It's a, it's a massive business for us, but that's usually going to cost anywhere from $40 to $120 because we sell it by subscription. So you can buy an annual subscription for $120 to $140, depending on, you know, the price promotion that we're running. And then from there, we move them up to maybe one of my digital courses or all the way up sort of the creme de la creme is the business accelerator coaching program, which is $15,000 a year. So at every step of the way, you know, we're, we're trying to get, uh, gain trust to get them to go to the next level. Now, some people will go directly from free content to business accelerator, but that's the exception. You know, most people kind of gain interest in you and build trust with you. And then at that point, they're willing to go to the next level. <laughs> That's funny. That, that, that was me. <laughs> Is I texted Chad. I'm like, how can I join Business Accelerator? Send me the link to pay you. <laughs> Which I, I know is, def is definitely, I always give him a hard time. I'm like, it's got to be your easiest sale ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know, what's funny because right here in the middle of the, the uh, coronavirus, I was talking to a client today, a customer today, and he just, he was so pleased to report to me. He was part of a big group that we've got. He had bought a, a course, uh, our course leading through crisis. And he had bought the upper tier part of the program that included group coaching. And he was so, t he, he raised his hand first this morning and he said, Hey, I just want to tell you, I, I just, I had to be part of that coaching program. So I called and asked how I could get into that program. So like he took the initiative. So he really, really wasn't even at the point in the funnel yet, but he was ready to buy. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. And, and, and to your point, like circling this all the way back, that's what this stuff builds over time. That's right. As people are listening to your podcast, reading your books, all that stuff, there's this deep conviction of knowing that, hey, whatever's next, I want it. Last question on, the, on the, those books. I saw you were doing the, uh, the 10, like kind of the leadership or team bundle. And I obviously pre-ordered 
can't remember, 10 or 20 copies of the Vision Driven Leader um, for my team. Um, and then you've got those on the actual website. H how has that been working? And I would imagine that helps the kind of, as you said, tip of the spear to embed into full organizations. Well, here's what we know for sure. First of all, Business Accelerator is for leaders, leaders of teams, particularly business owners and entrepreneurs. Anybody that's buying 10 copies or more, guess what? They've just raised the flag and said, hey, I've got a team. Those are our best leads by far. So anybody that's bought a bundle like that, those are prime prospects for Business Accelerator. That's great. Let's switch gears um, to, to, you know, you said you've sold over half a million planners. That's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. How, yeah. how have you done it? How have you sold so many planners? Like what are the top acquisition channels? What does that look like? Okay, so we've got this physical planner. Let me just describe it. It's called the Full Focus Planner. People can find out more at fullfocusplanner.com. I would be remiss if I didn't give that right. So this is a physical planner. It's for one quarter. So this is my one from this last quarter, my one from today I left in the house. But um, yeah, so this retails for uh, between $40 and $50, depending on the edition. So what happened was my chief content officer, Joel Miller, was riding with one of our other teammates, Mike Burns. They were on our way to the conference and they said, you know, we had to take all this stuff that Michael teaches and we had to put this in a paper planner. So they didn't talk to me, they didn't ask me about it. They cooked up this whole thing on this trip and came back to me with a proposal. And, and initially, because I was in the publishing business almost my entire career. So, you know, it's one thing to self-publish, it's another thing to run a publishing company. So the things that, that I didn't like about traditional publishing was that, first of all, you have to buy inventory. So you have to, you know, pay the printers to print it. You got to spend a massive amount of money to get your book printed, get your books printed. And so that part of it, I didn't like so much because I love digital courses where I didn't have the investment. But the second issue was that in the traditional book publishing world, you sell to retailers. Okay. And those bookstores can return those books at any point. So it's not like you've got a 30 day refund window or a 60 day. No, they can return them forever. So the book's never really sold until a consumer buys it and walks out of the store with it. Sometimes in, you know, some of the bestsellers that, that publishers publish, they might get 40% returns. So they ship 100 books, they get 40 of them back. So that's not good. Then the other thing is bookstores are very slow to pay. So I had all this kind of burned into my memory when I was running a big publishing company. And I said, oh man, I, I just love the digital model. So my guys were like, but look, Here's the thing, people are working in a world of distraction when they're trying to manage their day on the computer. And I said, well, you know, you got a point because it really wasn't working for me either. I had gone to paper just, you know, using a moleskin notebook just because I didn't like the clutter, the digital clutter of trying to do it on my computer. And I'd used every task manager, every calendar, all that, none of it worked. And I'm a super digital geeky guy. So they said, well, here's what we could do. So they took the sting out of it for me. They said, we can publish this, and this would be a, a great tip for uh, the people that are listening to this too, if you're gonna self-publish. We pre-sold it. Before we manufactured it, we pre-sold it. So we knew exactly how many to manufacture. So we did a pre-sale promotion at a discount. We did a sales page that had all the pages laid out, 
We talked about, you know, the promise. It was beautiful. It was compelling. And we just took orders. We just took people's money. And we realized that, it, I mean, literally within 24 hours, we realized we had a tiger by the tail. And so we said, okay, we're going to go to press with this print run entirely paid for. Because not only were people paying us for what it cost us to print those books, but obviously the, the profit margin too. So we not only printed enough to fulfill the demand at that time, but then we also printed more, we thought enough, more uh, in order to cover what we thought would be continued demand after the, after the book was released. But as it turned out, we were way too conservative. So there was about a three-week period where we were completely out of planners, and that became kind of a customer service hassle because now we're trying to tell people that we can't ship them and they're, they're ready to buy. And, and you know, as a business owner, when you've got sales that you can't deliver on, it kills you. And it killed me to not be able to deliver on those. But we finally figured that all out. But I think one of the things that really helped us too and made this different than traditional publishing, we weren't selling on credit, right? So we weren't like shipping them to a bookstore, hoping to God they would pay us, you know, in 30, 60 or 90 days. No, we took people's credit cards. We got paid, bam, in advance of the sale. We had the shipping covered, all that was covered. And then, and I think this was the big idea, and this is a, an idea worth thinking about if you're going to self-publish, is could you set up a subscription program of some sort? So this, this planner is, is one quarter's worth of content, one quarter's worth of pages. You really need four of them for a year. So we invited people to buy four of them or to subscribe to them at a discount. And, you know, that was good for them. It was good for us. Then we had the continuity of that subscription auto renews. So every year it automatically renews. So probably about maybe 50, maybe 60% of our customer base is on that subscription and 40% are people that are doing it on a one-off basis. But all those one-off basis for the most parts, those are new customers that want to sample it first and then they come in and then they subscribe to it on an annual basis. Wow. 60% recurring. That's unreal. How, how long ago was this when you, when you did the pre? Uh, it, it was in 2017. Okay. So th three or so years. Did you suspect that this would be literally half of your business now? I mean, no that's crazy. idea. No idea. You know, I never in my wildest imagination thought it would be as big as it is and it continues to grow. <laughs> And this is another product that we sell directly off Facebook ads. You know, we don't invite people to a webinar first. We don't do anything. You know, we just run ads to the planner and we run them all day long, every day. And, you know, it's just, it's just performed phenomenally well. And then we began to expand the suite. So this last fall, you know, we introduced a whole bunch of new colors. Now we're going to introduce this coming fall in 2020, a bunch of new additions, including a young adult version. And I'm announcing it here for the first time anywhere. But uh, we just finalized it this morning. We've got the pages already typeset and everything because a lot of parents are thinking, oh my God, if I'd had this when I was in high school or college, how cool would that have been? So yeah, we're just continuing to expand the line. We've got the full focus journal, full focus notebooks. It's a whole suite of products and we've got plans. I, I really believe this could be a, an entirely separate standalone business. Oh, interesting. Now, last thing, and I want to transition to Vision Driven Leader what would you say is the one, two, or three things that have moved the most journals, most planners? Hmm. I would say it would be team leaders that get it, find that they're more focused and more productive. And they're like, oh my God, I've got to get this for everybody on my team. 
And so we've seen that, for example, at Chick-fil-A, you know, where some of their leaders got into it, some of their operators, and then it spread like wildfire inside their organization. And we've probably got 50 major corporations like that where they've gotten it, and it's really caused that to happen. And then we've had some big influencers, people like uh, Amy Porterfield or, you know, different people like that that have had large audiences and have touted it, gotten it for their teams and, you know, had me on to talk about it and really promoted it. That's great. Um, let's talk about Vision Driven Leader. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with the book, what's the premise of the book? And then what does this launch look like? I want to get in kind of a little bit later, like what, what have you learned from the past few book launches, but what's kind of the game plan? And then I'm sure we'll talk about how that shifted a little bit with everything going on. Yeah. So the premise of the book is that there is nothing more important for your organization's future than having a clear vision of it. So to come up with a clear, inspiring, practical, and attractive picture of your organization's future that's written down in a document, three to five pages long, which I call a vision script, not a vision statement, but a vision script, a more robust kind of vision for your future, to state it in the present tense about what you want to see happen in four areas over the next three to five years, your team, your products, your marketing, and your impact in the world. So the book basically deconstructs that process because all of us know if we run an organization that we need to have vision. You know, we've been sort of uh, encouraged, shamed, uh, just told that we need to have a vision for our organization. But here's the problem. I couldn't find a single class or course in a single university or college that taught anything on vision. There's only two books on vision on Amazon and one of them is really confusing because he, he confuses, the author confuses vision and mission, which are two entirely different things. And so there's just, there's not a lot out there. Everybody feels like they need to have a vision, but they feel like they've got to be, you know, clairvoyant or they've got to be super charismatic or have a special gifting to come up with a written vision. And what I want to say, and I try to do this in all my books, is deconstruct it, make it easy, give people a recipe so that mere mortals, people like us, can go create a vision for their organization. And, and once you have one, Chandler, once you've got a written vision, it has three major benefits. First of all, it gives you confidence. If you don't have a vision, here's how that shows up in your leadership. You're hesitant, you have self-doubt, you're not clear about where you're going. And if there's one thing that has to be true about a leader, you've got to know the destination. If you're not leading people toward a destination, then what is your leadership about? So having clarity about that, that vision gives you confidence. It also accelerates your progress toward that vision because the more clarity you have, the more you, uh, concrete you can be, the more you spell it out, the faster your organization can get aligned and execute against that vision and move toward it. Then the third benefit of a vision is it provides a filter. So it gives you a way of filtering out the distractions from the opportunities. Now that may sound strange, but the more successful you become, the more opportunities you get. And the more opportunities you get, the less easy it is or the more difficult it is to differentiate between things that are, that are distractions and things that are opportunities. A lot of times distractions show up on your doorstep masquerading as opportunities. But with a vision, you have a way to discern which is which so that you can accept those opportunities and say yes to those things that you know, conform to the vision that you have for the future. And those things that don't lead you toward that future, you can say no to. One, one of my favorite quotes is, in line with exactly that is more businesses die of indigestion than of starvation, right? Oh, I so love how, that. 
a, a vision helps you discern <laughs> uh, the things that you're taking into the body, in this case, your business. Um, so you, you mentioned difference between vision and mission. What's yeah. the difference as you see it? Okay, so let me, let me give you kind of even a little bit broader perspective. So at the foundation of every business is something I call core ideology. These are the fundamental beliefs, operating philosophies, the things that guide strategic direction, tactical implementation. So it includes four things typically. It includes vision, mission, core values, and strategy. And each one of those answer a different question. So vision answers the question, where? Where are we going? And so that's about the future. And it's about having that clarity that as a, as a leader, where you want to go, that bigger, better, more compelling vision of the future. Mission answers the question, why? Why do we get up in the morning? Why do we do what we do? Why is this important? Core, or, uh, strategy answers the question, how? How are we going to get from where we are to that future that we envision? Strategy can change. In fact, in the midst of the coronavirus, it's changing all the time, right? Because the terrain changes. The vision shouldn't change, but how you get there does change. So for example, let me illustrate the difference. So every fall, my family goes to Destin, Florida, Rosemary Beach area for a vacation. We just drive straight south on I-65 from Nashville where I live. And that would be, that would correspond to the vision. The strategy we take is usually to take I-65 all the way south through Birmingham. And then we take a bunch of country roads that get us there. But occasionally we encounter road construction, weather, things that force us to take a detour. That's how strategy is. Strategy can shift depending upon conditions on the ground, but the vision remains constant. And then finally, there's core values. And core values basically describe who you are, answer the question who, and especially who are we becoming in this journey toward this future we want to create. That's awesome. And that's what we were working on uh, last business accelerator meeting. That's right. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the, the, you know, speaking of strategy, what is the strategy um, for the Vision Driven Leader book launch? What's kind of the big picture of what you're doing? Well, this is pretty much the picture that we take on all of my trade books, all these big books that we're trying to uh, publish, is that we're always trying to drive the bestseller list. So this isn't possible for uh, everybody, but I have a long history of having done this with two New York Times bestselling books and almost every one of my books. I think every one of my major books has hit a bestseller list. So, you know, it's, it's harder and harder to hit the New York Times list today, but all my last four books hit uh, the USA Today bestseller list, Publishers Weekly, Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal is particularly important, you know, for us. And so uh, we want to hit that bestseller list. So the strategy is to drive as many sales as we can through the cash registers during the first two weeks of the book launch. Because the way those bookseller lists work is that uh, BookScan is an organization that scans sales at retail. So they measure how many books are being sold at retail. And it's a very simple formula. And the best way to illustrate it is USA Today because they don't have a separate list like for business books or children's books. It's just all books thrown in there together. They track like the top 150. Well, that information comes directly from BookScan. So the book that sells the most books in a week is number one on USA Today, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, business, children's, whatever, doesn't matter. The second book that sold the most copies is number two and all the way down the line. Wall Street Journal also follows BookScan. Publishers Weekly pretty much follows BookScan. New York Times, God only knows. You know, they follow 
that, but I've, I've literally, I've had a book, my last two books outsold number one on BookScan by four times and still didn't make the New York Times list. So go figure. I don't know what that's about. But it doesn't matter because if we get the book on the bestseller list, then what happens is, is suddenly a lot of retailers that didn't take the book initially, they see it on the bestseller list and they go, oh, I've got to have that book in my store. A lot of consumers that wouldn't, you know, they don't listen to my podcast, they don't subscribe to my blog, they would have no way of being in communication with me except they see it on a bestseller list and they go, oh, that looks interesting. I think I'll order it. So that's the strategy to try to get it out of sort of the gravitational pull and get it into orbit in those first couple of weeks. And what do you guys do in those first couple of weeks or obviously even leading up to those first couple of weeks to sell the maximum amount of copies? Well, normally we follow a strategy like this. We did it a little bit differently here and I'll explain the difference. Normally it all begins. And I mean, the most important marketing you do is in the packaging of the book itself, you know, really working hard to come up with a title that's compelling that's hooky, that grabs people's attention, and especially in a bookstore environment where sometimes the book is going to be spine out on a shelf, but you got to get people's attention in a very noisy environment. So the way the cover's designed, the way the, the title reads, the subtitle, all that's critically important. Second most important thing, I think for most people, is endorsements. You know, I really believe in the power of endorsements, and I kind of tear them three ways. The best endorsements are from famous people that everybody knows, or at least everybody knows in your market. If you can't get those, the second best kind of endorsement is an endorsement from an expert who has a PhD after their name or some highfalutin title. If you can't get that, the third best is just reader endorsements. You know, any endorsement that's a third-party endorsement allows other people to praise you, not yourself. And give sort of validation. This is why when we go to an Amazon detail page and look at a book, for most of us, first thing we look at, what? The reviews, right? Because we know that that's going to be pretty honest and, you know, it validates the concept for us. So the packaging, the endorsements, then, then what we try to do is in the old days, back when I first started publishing in the late 90s, we would book all the traditional media that we could. So I would do sometimes hundreds of radio interviews, television interviews, all that kind of stuff, print advertising, all that. That's never been less important than it is today. So what is important, what is powerful is podcast interviews. That's why for this book, you know, we went out and got at least 50 podcast interviews. So me being on your show, the thing that, that you have that's amazing is you have credibility, cachet with your audience. I don't have that. You know, some of the people that are listening to this right now, have never heard of me. Some of them would never encounter me any other way. But the mere fact that you've had me on the show validates me and gives me a platform with an audience that I couldn't otherwise reach. So when you have that happening all at the same time, you know, and what we try to do is we did, I did a lot of interviews before the book ever released. So it just came out this week on Tuesday. So over the last 60 days, I've done a ton of interviews and I had all the pod, people that were interviewing me on podcast agree to release those podcast interviews in the first two weeks. Why? So that we could drive sales now. We also did, in addition to that, so that's like the third thing was the podcast interviews. Then the additional thing is we do a campaign to my own list where we've got, and this, this I, I can't recommend this strategy more highly, create a sales page and have some kind of outrageous collection of bonus material so that you make it an absolute 
no-brainer. So if you go, for example, to visiondrivenleader.com, you're going to find today, now that it's going to be different after April the 4th. I don't know when this podcast will release, but before April the 4th, there's $600 worth of free bonuses when you buy the book. You don't have to buy the book from us. You can buy it from any retailer. You come back, you put in the uh, order number, and then we send you an email. So we've got your email now. We're going to send you an email and you're going to have access to all those bonuses. It's everything from the audiobook, which we negotiated with the publisher to have uh, available for the first two weeks. So they're going to get the same book they could buy on audible.com, but they get it free when they buy a copy of the book. They're going to get the uh, ebook of my last book, Free to Focus. They're going to get some uh, video course. They're going to get some private, or I should say group coaching, and several other things. A tool that we've got called the Vision Scripter Tool, which is a unique tool uh, to help people walk through the vision script process. So that sales page is huge. So then we do a campaign to our email list, social media, driving everybody to that because we want to rack up as many pre-orders, especially at Amazon, as we can. And so you negotiated with the publisher to be able to give that audiobook away for free for what? For forever or for the first two weeks? Just for the first two weeks. Yep. Got it. Cool. And that's smart because it's in both of your guys' interest and it, it drives is. a lot of sales early on. And they really wanted to they really wanted to track well on Amazon because Amazon is like the only real-time indicator of how a book's doing. Right. Because you could wait, I mean, back in the old days, you would wait for months to get information from the publisher to know how your book was doing. You would have no clue unless you just happened to be lucky enough for it to make a bestseller list. And then you could you still wouldn't know how many it's moving. You'd think, oh, okay, it made a bestseller list. That's pretty awesome. But uh, but Amazon is the closest to real-time data that you can get. What do you do differently between, obviously you're doing the one trade book a year and then the other self-published books. How is your approach different between say how you would launch the, the trade book and the self-published book? Uh, the, the launch of those books requires very little of me, those small books. Like I don't, do, I don't do podcast interviews unless people like you take the initiative to have me on. But the reason why I don't want to do that is I don't want to wear out my welcome and I don't want to be overexposed. Does that make sense? You know, if, I, if I'm on every show and I'm publishing every book because we're doing two books a year, it's just too much. Got it. And so anything, anything that you've learned from kind of the last couple of trade books uh, and launching of that that's changed what you're doing with the Vision Driven Leader or anything that you're doing differently with this book? Well, one of the things I've had to do with this book, and I think this is true probably for anybody that's publishing a book in the next couple of months, is that I've had to ask myself the question, why is this book more relevant today, given the current crisis, than it was a month ago before the crisis began? And one of the conclusions I came to was that it's absolutely more relevant. Vision is more necessary now than ever because people are dispirited, they're discouraged, they don't have a vision for the future. This crisis is so present in their face that they need some hope that they're going to prevail, that they're going to get to the other side. And there's still that opportunity to create a bigger, better future out there, but they got to be reminded of that. So uh, that's what I've been talking about on all the programs I've been going on. And it's really resonated. People I think are, are grateful for it. Yeah, that's great. And let's talk about that a little bit. How, how have you, cause obviously you're launching this book in the middle of coronavirus, which is not something that I, not something that I think you anticipated. No, I didn't. So, so how have you pivoted the messaging of the book? And you know, you mentioned a little bit there, but how have you also pivoted kind of the strategy of the book launch amongst that? It really hasn't changed our, our strategy, Chandler, but it has changed the messaging for sure. So now, for example, when I'm getting on those uh, podcasts, I'm talking about, and I'm I'm 
I can get very passionate, but I'm talking about why if, if you lose vision and you lose hope, you will die as a business. And your people desperately need vision because Andy Stanley says vision leaks and he's right. And I sort of envision my own team walking around with a vision bucket. And if that bucket's empty, things don't go well. And my job as a leader is to refill that bucket with vision and to keep saying to, to people, like I said today, we had an all team meeting, virtual meeting, of course. And I said to my team, I, I, I literally read our vision script, the whole thing, four pages, took me about 10 minutes to do it. But I read it. And I said, guys, this is the future that I still believe in. This is the future we're still working toward. And I had all kinds of comments from my team. We were using Zoom too. And so I had all kinds of comments from my team that were like, oh my God, it's so glad to hear that again. And so glad that in the midst of a world where everything seems to be changing, that our vision for the future has remained constant, that we still believe that we can get there. That's great. And, and speaking to that, uh, this is less strategy-wise on the actual launch of the book and more, why is this a book that people need right now? Sure, in the middle of this crisis, but just kind of, I mean, there's going to be people listening to this long after this is passed. Yeah. Is an, an important message that leaders need in their business. Well, here's the thing. Nothing is more important to your organization's future than vision. Nothing. And your leadership presupposes that you have a vision. A leader has to know the destination. He's leading people somewhere. The question is, where are you leading the people you're leading? If you don't have clarity around a vision, then you're basically just going for a walk. And vision gives you that clear objective to pursue. That's great. Um, we're in the home stretch here. So what would be your advice? So this is kind of final question. What would be your advice to the, the Michael Hyatt from years ago? Uh, so maybe the, the, the Michael Hyatts that are listening to this podcast are, are watching this on the YouTube channel and thinking they, they haven't done their first book yet. Knowing what you've done now with all these books, what would your advice be to that person who's thinking about doing their first book? There is nothing more important to the future of your business than the book you want to write. I, I really believe that, Chandler. I think that, you know, everything changes once you read a book. I've said to so many of my clients, there's going to be the period of your life before you wrote the book, and there's going to be the period of your life after you wrote the book, but everything's going to shift. Nothing gives you more authority. Nothing credentials you more than being a published author. Nothing will open more doors for you. You know, you could do an online digital course. You could create other products. But there is something in our culture about having written a book that opens doors like nothing else. If you're a public speaker, nothing will get you into higher fees and book more venues for you than being a published author. That's just kind of like, you know, the, the litmus test that a lot of event planners use. If you don't have a published book, they're not going to invite you. That's what separates the amateurs from the professionals. So I, I personally don't think, and I, what I wish I would have said, what I would say to myself is I wished I had started 20 years before I did. Hmm. That's great. And that's, uh, I think it was uh, Russell Brunson that I interviewed him last week said something similar as I wish I would have wrote the first one a decade earlier. <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah, that's why I'm doing two books a year, because it's that important. You know, it's one of the most important things I do and continue to do. And I envision doing that for the rest of my life. That's awesome. Um, hey, final, final thing here. Where, where can people go um, to find this book, to buy this book, and to find out more about what you're doing? Okay, so we created a custom page at visiondrivenleader.com slash Chandler. So people can get, you know, go right to your page, 
see the bonuses that we have available there. And so uh, we will uh, have those bonuses up for people to check out there. Again, all you have to do is buy it from any source you want. Come there to get those bonuses. Everything else, by the way, is michaelhyatt.com. So whether it's my podcast, our coaching programs, anything else we've talked about here today, you can find that at michaelhyatt.com. Awesome. And I know I mentioned this earlier, but I've already pre-ordered Gosh, 10, 20 copies. I forgot even how many um, for me and my team. And I'm very excited uh, for them to show up. And I'm very excited for this book. So um, grab a copy of the book, Vision Driven, dri sorry, visiondrivenleader.com uh, forward slash Chandler. And Michael, thank you so much uh, for coming. Thank you, Chandler. Show. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you could be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you could be listening to, YouTube channels that you could be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast, wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right. Reviews are super important and help this podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.